We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That guy sitting right over there, that's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. That's part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And we'd like to open not with the beat the heat bit. It's whatever. Uh, We'd like to apologize. We're not being lazy. This is coming out a day late. We had some technical issues last night and decided that we would scrap it and try again tomorrow rather than giving you a low quality pod that doesn't sound good because of our technical issues so our our friendship is never strained but it it almost feels close when we're having technical issues yeah it's like it's like (laughs) man we're both really pissed off and we're trying not to be pissed off at each other but yeah it sucks it sucks when we have technical issues basically what happens is we go sit down to record and then in the middle of our recording one of us will get booted out of the online room that we're in and we don't really have a good reason why, but I, I think it has something to do with internet connection. Anyway, 
it's not fun when we have technical issues. So, um, <laughs> and it's, and it's, if we were to to patch together a podcast littered with all those technical issues, it would be like four different files. Um, we would obviously sound really annoyed. It'd and be disjointed. It's just, yeah, it's just better for us to to give it a day, sleep on it, take a breather, and uh, and give give everybody a, a little bit better podcast. I think. The the funniest thing is that like you and I are both very anti confrontational people. Yeah. Where it's just like, uh, you know what? I, I'm just not gonna expend energy being mad at that thing unless it really <laughs> pisses me off, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, in I think it's both of us trying to not sound mad at the person, but being clearly frustrated with the situation. Right, right. And it exactly. turns into this like passive aggressive anger at a thing but not it's really funny it's very yeah and it's like we're texting each other and and it's just one word text yeah yeah, fun times anyway about Uh, about sunday's fun football game let's talk about it good transition uh the 49ers (laughs) experienced some technical difficulties do you like how at the at the beginning i turned that i'm sorry into a you're welcome (laughs) yeah could work sorry for not doing the pod but you're welcome for not doing the pod yeah no that's that's good job so the 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 49ers lost on, on Sunday night. We're recording this Tuesday night. We've had a couple of days to process it. And it's actually good to get to get another day to kind of think about it, I think, and, and rewatch a couple of things. Because it, it was just my big my big overarching takeaway from that game was that was what a injury riddled football team is supposed to play like. Yes. And the Giants game was the aberration. Okay. That's 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 how I mean, I think if they played the Giants again with that same group, they would beat them handily again. But if they come up against a team like the Eagles that has some good players that can take advantage of the 49ers not being at full strength, I I think that a kind of weird close loss is is what happens. Yeah, so I was listening to the Ringer NFL show and Nora Princiati, I think that's how you say her last name, made a mm-hmm. made a really good point when she was talking about the game because you and I had this conversation in last week's pod where we said, all right, who's more talented, the 49ers or the Eagles? And you and I both said the 49ers because we pointed to just the number of quality players they had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Eagles don't have anybody as good as Trent Williams or George Kittle um, or maybe even Fred Warner right now, right? But what they do have, which was Nora's point, was a starting quarterback. And the 49ers didn't have their starting quarterback. Yep. And that was the big difference. And then thinking back about the thinking back at the game it was like yeah to your point that what you said this is this is what happens when you have to play a backup quarterback um on top of not having your best pass rushers um your best cornerback and you know this this is what it's going to look like it's not always going to look like the giants game to your point which is uh which is sort of my takeaway after after being being away from it for 2 days because initially we do this everybody does this like What's wrong with the team? Like sometimes nothing's wrong. You just lose a football game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's and, some, sometimes, like I, the, like I think the best way to talk about this game is what's concerning and what's not. Not the yes. fact that they lost or who's to blame or whatever. Yes. I mean, when you're this banged up, um, this is what happens. Like the best teams in the league typically lose two or three or four games a year. Right. Um, so this well, is these are these are just things that happen in the NFL. And I don't know that we learned a whole lot. There there are some things we learned that that are new and, and certainly concerning. But 
on the whole, like the fact that the 49ers lost despite coming in as seven and a half point favorites or whatever they were, mm-hmm. um, isn't isn't as alarming now as it as it felt at the time while we were watching it. No, and just to just to that point and just to kind of hammer that home, what it came down to was uh there were some two or three plays that Nick Mullins made. The the pick six was obviously bad. The first interception in the red zone was bad. And then missing Kyle Juszczyk on on the second play of the game was really bad. On the other hand, it was Carson Wentz made he wasn't very he wasn't awesome, but there were three or four plays that really stood out like man, that's that's why he went second overall. Yeah, like he he's, played he's still he played his player. ass off. Yes. Like he's he had a very dire receiver situation. Um, he certainly wasn't like playing great, but he played his ass off. And he is he is very elusive. I mean, a lot more elusive than than I kind of figured. And I was thinking about this too, like, um, because you spend a lot of time thinking about the wide nine versus you know, a typical scheme because I, I wrote in a mailbag today about why the 49ers might b- not be interested in Clay Matthews. Mm-hmm. And really it was kind of a stylistic thing, right? Like all of the 49ers defensive ends are like bigger defensive ends. They're like 270, 285, um, that range, right? It's going to be harder to track down an elusive quarterback when you're a defensive end that size. Like Eric Armstead's running around trying to get Carson Wentz when somebody who would be an out, an outside linebacker typically who's 250 pounds might not have an issue with a quarterback moving around like that in the same way Armstead would. So right. to me, that's, that's sort of one of the drawbacks of what the 49ers do schematically, not that they need to make any changes, but I think that that sort of lends to the stylistic problem that they have with mobile quarterbacks. Because if you're running a zone read and you're not blocking that DN, that DN isn't going to be as good in space as an outside linebacker type would be right right um so i i think that's 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 a very random observation to come away from the game but but carson wentz like he made plays he's a playmaking quarterback he might not be particularly good or efficient right now but he made more plays than the 49ers in the 49ers turned the ball over and when you turn the ball over you're you're gonna lose like that's you know that's a yep. great way to lose is to give that's the ball it. away yep and I, I i guess we'll start there then there were a bunch of things that that went wrong for San Francisco, but Mullins coming back down to earth was the the biggest one to me. And yeah. I think there were there were some reasons for that that we'll get to. I know the offensive line was bad, and we'll talk about that. But it, it the first two throws of the game where he missed Kendrick Bourne for what would have gone for a first down, and then missed a wide open Kyle Juszczyk for what might have gone for a seventy five yard touchdown. It just I don't I don't think he ever kind of settled down after that (laughs) and it it just i'm trying to figure out a different way to phrase this but it came down to could he make a couple plays and he didn't yeah so i think the the fact that nick mullins looked like a backup quarterback is not really alarming to me because i've always viewed nick mullins as a backup quarterback correct the alarming part to me about the game um Really, the only thing I guess I would be alarmed at is like the play of the, big picture. Yeah, is is the play of the offensive line. Yes, um, allowing five sacks and fifteen quarterback hits. I think somebody tweeted out the number. I should go back and look. But the 49ers have allowed forty nine quarterback hits so far. Yes, that's and correct. Most it's of the league. it's by far the most in the league. And when you have Trent Williams and you have Mike McGlinchey, who played really well in the second half of last season, um. 
and Lakin Tomlinson, who was someone who I thought was excellent in training camp. Um, and then to have the backup center and, and right guard situation with Daniel Brunskill right now, um, that's pretty alarming because, I mean, Weston Richburg is is certainly a good player, but he shouldn't be the type of player that makes your offensive line fall apart. And I don't know, I, I don't know how to diagnose really what's happening with the offensive line. What what I think is happening is that um, the offensive line might be hurt most by the, the COVID offseason in that, you know, you don't have much time to, to work on your craft. Physicality is is really being phased out of practice in a way now that that it it might not have been earlier because practice was so truncated um, and condensed that you don't want to go full board practice and risk injury, which is, I mean, it's happened in the 49ers anyway and, and other teams throughout the league too. Um, but I, I, I just, I'm not enough of an offensive line expert to say, you know, this is what's wrong with, with Mike McGlinchey. And um, Trent Williams has allowed three sacks this season, which is as many as his last three years he played combined in Washington um, before missing 2019. So um, that's kind of alarming. Two of those sacks obviously came Sunday night, but the offensive line's inability to be good in the running game too is also really problematic. Right now, running backs the last two weeks have averaged 2.7 yards per carry. I wrote about that for for the Sacramento Bee today. And, um, you know, the, the Niners had a, a decent rushing game from from a numbers perspective. Uh, they had they averaged nearly six yards a carry. But, you know, that's with a 38 yard run technically to Brandon Ayuk, a 10 yard run to Debo Samuel and an eight yard run to George Kittle. The running backs, um, Jeff Wilson, three carries, six yards. Jarek McKinnon, um, 14 carries, 54 yards. There, there just isn't the production there from the running game, and it's bleeding into the rest of the offense. And that's basically what Kyle Shanahan said. Basically, like the way we fix everything is get better at running the ball. Um, which, which was kind of fascinating because it speaks to the idea that the running game is important. And I know we live in a in a culture now where it's not it's not good to want to establish the run. And I don't think Kyle Shanahan's necessarily talking about establishing the run. I just think he wants to make the running game more of a threat so he could build the rest of the offense off that. Because when the running game isn't a threat, then games like Sunday night are, are going to happen, particularly when you don't have your starting quarterback. Right. I think there's an element of missing Raheem Mostert yes. as well. Because there yes. were multiple times where, and we, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, I think yesterday, the failed podcast yesterday, but there, there were certainly times on, on, on Sunday night where a play was blown up before it could start. Yeah. And when that happens with an offense that has window dressing and is based on deception and getting linebackers eyes going the wrong way, when, the, when the play stops before it gets out of the backfield, a lot of that stuff doesn't work. Uh, but there were also times where McKinnon's getting to the corner. And then I don't think he's, and again, I, 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 I'm not on the field. I'm not in meeting rooms. I'm not certain, but it looks to me like <laughs> what, what Raheem Mostert's great as he gets to the corner, he finds a hole, he cuts and he goes, McKinnon looks like he tries to kind of pick his way through there. Yeah. And I'm not sure that's super effective in this scheme. Um, and that's where I think the Niners really miss Raheem Mostert. I think 
I think yeah. McKinnon's a very good like complimentary back. I, I don't think he's ready to be a guy who's getting 18 to 20 carries a game and, and turning it into 100 yards. Well, he's also playing for the first time since 28 Correct. or 2017. Yeah. Right. So understandable if he's a yeah, tad I, I understand yeah. if he's out of rhythm. I think he's been pretty good, can all, all things yeah. considered. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. Like right now, Jarek McKinnon should not be your number one back. Um, just based on where he's at. And obviously he wouldn't be with Raheem Mostert. And I was thinking about this too, because Kyle Shanahan said something interesting on Monday about the running game, that it's a really aggressive running game. And it's not the type of running game that he's down to just like churn out four yards, every, every play and keep moving the chains and and have 20 play drives. Like he wants, he wants to have explosive running plays and he called it. He basically said our running game is really aggressive. Mm -hmm. And thinking about it in that in those terms like the Niners running game is sort of like the uh the the three main outcomes in baseball like it's either it's either a big play a home run a strikeout or a walk right Mm -hmm. like there isn't a whole lot of variance for the 49ers running game in terms of outcomes because they do get a lot of explosive runs yeah and I think that's sort of how it's designed it's designed to get big gains and chunk gains which is why Raheem Mostert is so good because that's what he does right um, particularly within the system. So when the 49ers aren't running the ball, you know, it, it like when they're going well, they'll have like three or four runs a game that are like 20 or 30 yards, right? right or even yeah. longer if, if Mostert can break one. And obviously week one and week two, they had big plays for Mostert. I know one the, the one in week one was a passing play, but the point stands like Shanahan, it, it's sort of like a, a true, a three true outcome offense. Um, for football, particularly in the running game. And and I don't know if that makes sense to people, but that's sort of how I was thinking about it today. Um, going back through Shanahan's quotes, listening to him talk about how aggressive the running game is. And, and if it's gummed up, um, the 49ers aren't really built to be like four yards in a cloud of dust every play. That's right. not, that's not how these, this offense is designed. Yeah. And that's why like their running game has the capability of being as efficient as some teams passing games. Right, right. And when when you lose that, especially with uh, a backup quarterback in, it's just not. It's not going to be the same explosive offense on any level. So I I think I, I I do agree with you that that's the that was the biggest thing during throughout this game. In the first half, it was it looked you know, at the time, like, okay, Mullins isn't playing great, but if he settles down, they'll be fine. You know, it's a one point game. And, uh, and I thought they were going to start going horizontal more. Uh, we saw back-to-back plays where they went Debo Samuel for 10 yards and then a, a sweep to, to George Kittle for, I think nine or 10. And it just looked like they were going to kind of slow the Eagles down that way by just getting to the edge and making their linebackers play and their linebackers weren't very good. Um, but that wound up not being the case and not really working. And I don't know. It's while, while Mostert and Garoppolo being out didn't help, it's hard to see how putting them in is going to dramatically help anything based on how the O-line played on Sunday. Yeah, that's true. Like the O-line does need to be better. Um, and I think it will be. I, th- I think there's there's too much talent there and and really too much cohesion. Like it's just... It was weird. I, I, it was weirdly bad. Yeah, like the Mike McGlinchey on the last drive um, was obviously bad. Trent Williams got got had a holding penalty and a false start. Yeah, false start on the last sacks. drive. Like that was not good. Um, 
it, it the the offensive line struggles are weird enough to me that I that I'm not sounding the alarm yet in in, in terms of it being a long term issue. Um, but the 49ers are not going to win games this season if the offensive line doesn't play well. That's just a fact. That, that's it. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's it's not it, it's look at last year they dominated in the trenches both sides of the ball when they were good in the early 2010s under Jim Har- Harbaugh they dominated the trenches on both sides of the ball it's such a cliche football thing but no matter what offenses are doing whether teams are going uh double tight eye formations and they're just slamming it up the middle or they're spreading it out four wide and slinging it all over the field if your offensive line isn't good you're not going to move the ball that's a football thing that is always going to be a football thing. Well, that's why the 49ers have so many first round picks in the trenches, right? Yes. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, um, yeah, and they ran for five hundred yards in their two playoff games against the Vikings and Packers. Yeah. Um Yeah, but but to your point about the offense going horizontal, I actually thought they were going horizontal maybe a little bit too much, or at least like hmm. They didn't have there was no downfield counter aside from George Kittle. And right. I don't know if that was just baked into the game plan or if um Debo Samuel just wasn't um, you know, the fact it was his first game, he wasn't acclimated to the point to to be the downfield threat that the 49ers probably needed him to be, or if Brandon Ayuk is still too new to the whole situation to to not press the ball downfield. But I think the 49ers, I mean, they're they're going to need somebody other than George Kittle to to catch balls down the field. Um, and I know Kendrick Bourne uh, had was missed a couple of times by Nick Mullins. But, you know, like we Bourne has never been somebody the 49ers have really been able to count on for like six to eight catches a game. He's like a right. two or three catch guy. And a lot of those catches happen to be touchdowns or, or third down conversions. Right. Um, and that just didn't happen last uh, Sunday night. So, you know, I, I, I still think ultimately the bottom line, like the reason why I think 49ers fans still have plenty of reason to be optimistic is because of the expanded playoff format. The fact that there are seven teams in each conference now going to the postseason means there's probably going to be um, a nine and seven, maybe 10 and six team. What? that gets in. And I think the 49ers can still get there. Um, just, they just have to get healthy. And I think it might not happen this week against the dolphins. It might not even be Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday. It might be CJ Beathard or, or Nick Mullins. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that later in the week when we, when we have a better idea, but I think the 49ers can still get in. And I think it could be one of those weird years where like you see a nine and seven team go to the Super Bowl. You know, like yeah. this is a COVID season. Like we have no idea what what COVID's going to look like in the winter time, right? Like it could be knocking out players left and right, and the best team all of a sudden could no longer be the best team because they don't have their starting quarterback or number one receiver or whatever. Right. Um. So if you're a team like the 49ers, really your goal has to just be get into the tournament. You're not going to get the number one seed right now. Yeah. Like yeah. Think things would have to change drastically to get the number one seed. And the number one right. seed is important because it's the only seed with a buy. Well, so get into the tournament and then hope your experience and your cohesion um, gets you through it and you get hot at the right time. And I think if the 49ers are eight and eight, nine and seven, they'll be in the mix the whole way. 
um, assuming they get healthy. And then, you know, if like if the Niners are healthy and they have Richard Sherman and um, and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, all of their guys who can come back, obviously everybody, but really Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, like if D Ford can somehow come back, you know, it's super iffy right now with the back injury, but like the Niners will not be an easy out. Right. Um, and so I, I think well, that's, especially that's going how on you the have road, to, yeah, that's how you on, have to look at the season. I think if you're a 49ers fan. Yeah. And especially going on the road to stadiums that may not have fans in it. Right. Exactly. Home so field's not going to matter. The 49ers are 0-2 at Levi's. Right. The reigning NFC champions are 0-2 on their home field right now. So here's just to your point. I actually just wrote about this in NinersWire.com. Losing to the Eagles was obviously not crippling but it, it definitely stung because let's let's just assume for the sake of this exercise that they beat the dolphins who played seattle pretty tough for for most of the first three quarters let's say they beat the dolphins they moved to three and two then they're home against the rams yeah at new england at seattle home versus green bay on a thursday night at new orleans then they get a bye then they're at the rams and then home versus buffalo who's undefeated Right now, that group of teams is 19 and five. Yeah. And when you start talking about nine and seven, they, they finish up uh, Washington, Dallas, Arizona, Seattle. So let's just say they split those. That gives them f- five wins. They need to find four wins out of those seven that I listed. Yeah. And that's that's daunting when yeah, you're dealing true. with the injury issues that, that they're dealing with. That's true. I mean, this was this is the reality when you lose Nick Bosa, arguably yes. your best player. Yes. Or your best defensive player at arguably the most important position on defense. Yep. And they, they, they and the the guy who you're arguing with over what's you know, like losing Sherman and Bosa, your best players at the two most important positions on right. defense. Right. And, and now like, K1 Williams is on IR. Right. K1 uh, Williams with the, yeah. with a knee injury. Um, he's out for at least three weeks. Uh, you know, one of the best slot corners in the league. Like, it's just, it's, it is an unbelievable, like, hard to fathom injury situation. And if, if just to your point, if they do come through it at nine and seven and make the postseason, they're going to have earned that spot and they're going to have had yeah. to beat some pretty good teams to get there. And like you said, if, if they hit a stride sometime around the bye week, where they can rattle off a few wins at the end and and get to nine and seven and they're rolling going into the postseason. Who knows? Um, I know that seems dire right now and they have to beat Miami to make that really even possible, but um, the path is still there, but not if their offensive line is going to struggle the way it did Sunday night. Yeah. And uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about the Mohammed Sanu era and everything we learned from it. We're uh, not doing a whole pod for that. I mean, we could. We could just make the second <laughs> segment of this pod like a full pod length. If we yeah, want. no, we're probably going to need it. You've counted on restaurants. Well, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely with your door, safely outside your door, with new contactless delivery. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose your 
favorite meal from restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. And many of your local, your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-W-I-R-E, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. We were just so, kidding about the Muhammad Sanu thing. Well, I well, you better not be. I prepared an hour on his one catch. <laughs> the 49ers released Muhammad Sanu today. It, it, they did. Um, because they're expecting Richie James to come back. Right. And Muhammad Sanu doesn't catch punts or play special teams or anything like that. Yeah. Um, what was funny was, uh, I'm not certain I've talked about this before, but I produce a radio show on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. It's a and, it's a one uh, midday, right? Mid morning. Yeah, midday's ten to two. Ten oh, to two okay. p. Yep. Uh, four so, hours. So four four whole hours. Um, when they were circling signing Sanu, and it looked like they were going to sign him, it was like a topic of what does Muhammad Sanu bring? What is it? Can he make a difference? And he could not have been less of a factor. Which was actually, I, I didn't think he was going to come in and be a wide receiver one or two or maybe like even a three. But I thought when he first came in, their injury situation was such. Debo Samuel was on IR. Richie James was on IR. They signed him because James went on IR. Dante Pettis was unproductive. I thought they were going to actually have to use him, and they just didn't. He played seven snaps against the Eagles. He played 40 snaps in three games. He caught one ball for nine yards. Tough. It's wild how good Emmanuel Sanders was compared to yes. Muhammad Sanu with the Patriots and the 49ers. Because there's some people who think the 49ers' first choice at the trade deadline last year was getting Muhammad Sanu. Right. And they wound up with Emmanuel Sanders, and the offense completely changed, and Sanders was really good and just kind of the perfect fit, both schematically and from a personality standpoint. Like, he clicked with Debo and Kendrick Bourne right away. Like, those guys are, like, best friends, and it took, like, a week. And he taught those guys a lot. A lot of those guys would, you know, talk about Sanders' mindset. Like, Emmanuel Sanders is a really good football player. He's got a lot of flash to him, like, from a personality standpoint and all that. But, like, there's also a lot of substance in terms of the work ethic, the way he prepares, his professionalism, all that. And all that rubbed off on the receivers, and I think that's why um, they took a big leap. And now, you know, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, we haven't even mentioned him and, and that touchdown he scored. He's a really special talent. I was going to get to good stuff. We'll talk about it. Yeah, he's a really special talent, but he's not bringing that same um, veteran gravitas that that, right. uh, that Sanders brought last year. But yeah, it's the Sanu thing, I think he's just – He's just kind of slow. He's probably at the point in his career where, you know, this might be his last season unless he rediscovers some some speed. I think there was a he had surgery to repair an ankle injury, and that might be one that um, at this point in his career kind of dooms him, I guess. Um, that's that's a terrible way to put it, but it might just be hard for him to come back from. Um, 
Do you so, think yeah. that do you think that the younger Niners receivers got a lot like learning from him on the sidelines? <laughs> yeah, I I think I, I do think there there's something to that. I know Brandon Ayuk was not particularly happy. Um he tweeted uh I think WTF and Y in all caps when um on Tuesday. I don't know if that was in direct reference to the Sanu release, but I think it might have been. And um and Ayuk was one of the guys who talked really highly of Sanu um when he first got there. So um you know I I I guess there's that. I'm sure I'm sure somebody talked to Ayuk about tweeting things regarding personnel decisions <laughs> and we yeah, probably won't probably be seeing great. much more of that happening. <laughs> um I yeah. let's 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 do that. Let's talk about a couple of the good things from from Sunday's game. George Kittle caught all 15 of his passes for 183 yards and a touchdown. Uh any concerns about his health moving forward? Uh no, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean I was, you you want you want to catch that two point conversion, but I yeah, think that's tough. I think that was a situation where um I mean Bethard should have ran it for sure. Yes. Um I think Bethard probably threw it a little bit too hard and a touch off target. They were pretty close and Kittle could only really get one hand on it. Um and it's pro that that whole sequence is probably the result of a third string quarterback who doesn't yes. get a whole lot of reps trying yeah. to make a crucial play in the game. Yeah. Like that that's I, I, that'll just happen. I was just sort of, I think, expecting like a limited version of Kittle and they targeted him fifteen times. And he caught all of them and he looked was, really good. He was unbelievable. Like he's so much better at contested catches now. The I so when when Mullins threw him the jump ball for the touchdown, I, I called it a jump ball, but I, I mean he just had to jump for it. Yeah, it was kind of a fade. I, I think I, I was I, I granted I don't remember all of his touchdowns, but I don't think he's ever had to jump to catch a touchdown like that. Yeah, like in 2018, when he set the receiving record for tight ends, it was like it was all long explosive plays where right. he was in space and could just get a full head of steam and nobody could t- could bring him down. Right. And then last last or Sunday night, he looked like Tony Gonzalez, like yeah. just throw it up to George and he'll catch it. Um, yeah. which he he hasn't been as good as George Kittle has been. He hasn't been the contested catch guy. Just throw it up and he'll come right. down with it no matter what guy. Like that's what George was on Sunday night. And if he can be that guy, then like, all right. If he can stay healthy, like this is this is a Hall of Fame type trajectory. Like if George yes. Kittle on top of like his blocking and being a yards after catch monster is just going to be the dude that catches everything. Yes. Then you're talking about a Hall of Famer. Right, his touchdowns are going to go way up. Is yeah. his? I I don't think his targets can go up anymore. But he's going to have a, <laughs> more receptions. I think Pro Football Focus said he has he's tied for the second most contested catches in the league this year, and he's gotten targets in six halves. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <He>, uh, <laughs> or he three halves. But going into the week, Jordan Reed led the team with eleven catches, and George Kittle had fifteen in one game. Right. Kendrick Bourne was the receiving yards leader with 164 and Kittle had 183. <laughs> uh, it was it was a pretty ridiculous performance. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's touchdown as well, which you alluded to earlier. I don't have a lot of analysis on it other than like it's pretty rare that, you know, because in the middle of watching a game, you're taking notes and and you're writing this and you're you're trying to look up this stat. And and right. so the there it's pretty rare that there's just like a pardon my language but like a holy shit moment 
Yeah. And that just individual effort by him on that play and the number of times that it was like, thought the play was over and then he broke a tackle and then he ran past a guy and then he jumps over a guy. I've never seen the hurdle work where the player gains yards after the hurdle. Like I, they usually get chipped and they fall down or maybe they land, but then immediately yeah. kind of get tackled. He went over the defender and then went an additional four yards into the end zone, which I don't think I've ever seen. Uh, it was, here's it was the amazing. Thing, here's the thing with the hurdle to me. A lot of times when guys hurdle, you can sort of see it coming. Yes. Like you can see it from like two seconds away. You're like, oh, this guy's this guy's gonna try to they like try chop to their feet. Him. Right. Yeah, because you can see just by the by the way the 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 guy with the ball is just approaching the, the defender. Ayuk mm-hmm. just hurdled like like it was that. unbelievable. And he completely cleared the guy. The guy didn't touch him at all. Yeah. And then he came down and still had his balance to score. It was like it was a it was an incredible play, and I have something else to say about this. Please, um, can we stop with the straw man of like, oh, I thought Brandon Ayuk wasn't fast enough. Like nobody intelligent, nobody said that <laughs> is saying Brandon Ayuk isn't fast or athletic enough. Like he ran a four or five at the combine, and he did it injured, and like all the smart people were like, yeah, watch him play football. He's an incredible athlete. There's this thing going around on Twitter where it's like this person said Brandon Ayuk wasn't a good athlete. It's like, all right, that person's stupid. All the smart people know Brandon Ayuk is a good athlete. Like, it's such a straw man argument to be like, oh, told you guys, told you guys that Brandon Ayuk was a good athlete. It's like, yeah, no shit. Like, we all watch the, the YouTube highlights. <laughs> he's he's a really good athlete. This well, isn't, it's such a Kyle, straw man thing. And Kyle Shanahan said after the draft too, like, he's way more athletic than his, than his combine numbers say. Yeah. And if you Dr- run a four Dr- five, Dr- you're Greenlaw- fast. Drink right, and Dre Greenlaw was the same way. Yeah, uh, FYI. But it's he's this entire receiver class, and this is a little non sequitur. But uh, is that the right use of non sequitur? I don't know. Uh, anyways, this is a little bit off off track here. But this entire rookie receiving class is like totally living up to the hype. Yeah, there's CD no Lamb such thing awesome. as a slow four five guy. D- correct. Uh, I just want everybody to know that like if you run a four five, you're an extremely fast individual. <laughs> and anyone who it's says that person isn't fast field. enough doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. It's plenty fast on the football field. Yes. Um, but it's it's uh you know, Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Jerry Judy, LaVisca Chenault's been good, uh, Jalen Rieger was good before he got hurt, Brandon Ike's been really good. Like this receiver class, it, you know, through a quarter of the season is is living up to the hype and and uh Ayuk is just he's the impressive thing about Ayuk to me has been all the different kind of things he's done. Yeah. Uh he's made some tough kind of contested catches. He looks electric after the catch. Um he's, you know, doing the sweeps which he didn't really do in college, but he's he's been pretty adept at them in the NFL. He's he's um kind of as advertised and there was he's going to continue to get better. Their receiving core might be like really good. Yeah, it might not happen right away. It might not even happen this year. But like going forward, Debo and and Brandon Ayuk and uh, whoever they draft next is probably going to be a monster. If I were if I were them, I would draft a receiver in the first three rounds every year. Uh, I would just do that. 
And there, yeah. if you if you miss on one, if you have another Dante Pettis or whatever, you you still have you still have lots of guys. <laughs> but um, right there was I forget exactly when it was, but one of his catches uh, went for a first down. He caught it and he took a pretty big hit, but he stayed on his feet. He kind of like took two steps backwards and then mm-hmm. gathered himself and then made another move upfield. Like a lot of receivers would have just went flying backwards. But he stayed on his feet like that. That dude has really good balance, too. Yeah. Um, And there were people who said he wasn't athletic enough. Right. Right. Um, Brandon Ayu, good player. I'm I'm, I'm, good. I think he uh, I hate to like be hyperbolic overreaction guy because that's typically not who I am. But I think he has star potential. I really do. Ayuk? Yes. Yeah. If he's going to keep um making highlight plays like that like getting viral on youtube is or on on twitter is how to become a guy yeah and he's done that so far yeah and he's in the right offense yeah what else we got that's all i've got on this one okay uh any positive takeaways all right so let's talk about this who should and start we need to name the demontre more mvp oh uh can, am I allowed to name an eagle? Um. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, because we are an unbiased pod. It was Carson Wentz. I was going to go he with ran Travis around... Fulgham. <laughs> That's Dude, a good one, too. I follow, I follow the NFL really close, like a lot close. I had to <laughs> Google that dude. Yeah. He was promoted from the practice squad, right? Yeah. And wow. for, for what it's worth, Dante Johnson had really good coverage on that play. Carson yeah. Wentz just threw a dime. Yeah, like Carson Wentz, his numbers weren't great, but he, he was just sick ass plays. Impossible to bring down. There were like there were times where you could tell the defensive line was just so frustrated because they defended the initial play, and then it was just Carson Wentz scrambling around, going like sideline to sideline almost, and forcing these dudes to sprint. Like I, I'm willing to bet Eric Armstead doesn't run that much in a game all year. Like yeah, whatever the tracking yeah. data says, like that's that's the spike for Armstead this season. <laughs> he was and also really it, good, by the way. Yeah, on, and on Sunday he had eight pressures. Yeah, and 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 a lot of that too was because he was unblocked in some some cases too. But um, but yeah, it's Wentz because he just played his ass off and he made the biggest, the two biggest plays of the game. Really, the touchdown run, which was kind of easy because Deion Jordan just completely whiffed and and so funny to watch. It's like you forgot <laughs> and, there was a quarterback. Yeah, just crashed really hard <laughs> on the running back. Um, but the throw to Fulgham was was excellent. Yeah. And um and that was the biggest play of the game aside from Mullins pick six. And that was it. So the 49ers let put it this way. 49ers lost a game by five points in a game they allowed a pick six. Um they Nick Mullins fumbled the ball, which led to a touchdown. Uh the 49ers didn't get a two-point conversion. And God, there was one more thing, but it was just like a whole confluence of like they missed a touchdown pass on the second play of the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For some, it was so weird. Like I guess the entire Eagles defensive front sucked up to the line of scrimmage. Brandon Ayuk was running double cover down the other side of the field, and Ustrek was all alone. Like it would have yeah, went for fifty happens. at least. People just forget about him. It's weird. Yeah, despite that albatross of a contract. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think he'd just have albatross like hovering over him at all times. 
Hey, that guy makes a lot of money per Bill Barnwell. Cover him. <laughs> Bill um, Barnwell's great. No shade. Yeah. Go to his job. Disagree with his comedy yeah, spectacle. The. Yeah, go ahead. Where were we going? I agree with you on Carson once. It's oh, fine. whatever. Okay. Um, if Jimmy Garoppolo is not healthy this week, are you starting Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard? Man. Uh, I am probably starting. Oh, man. I'm personally starting Mullins. I am too. Because I think he's better, and I don't think he's the kind of player who, like, that game is going to rattle him forever. Yeah, so... And C.J. Beathard is, is, like, he got put in a situation where it's just, like, drop back and, and fling it. And, right, against a prevent defense. Right. It's not a real game situation. Yeah. But, okay, so I think I'm a lot higher on C.J. Beathard than, than a lot of people. Um, and I think... No, he didn't play particularly well when he has played for the 49ers just in the past, going back to 2017 and 2018. But I don't think the 49ers were particularly good or well-equipped to handle or get or or to maximize a rookie quarterback who wasn't some star first-round pick, right? Um, so I think C.J. Beathard has a relatively high ceiling. Like, maxed out C.J. Beathard could be something sort of similar to Kirk Cousins. But in order to get Max out, C.J. Beathard, you need to give him a bunch of playing time for a couple years. And the 49ers right. obviously aren't in position to do that to max out C.J. Beathard, right? So just getting that out of the way. I'm not calling C.J. Beathard Kirk Cousins. I'm saying C.J. Beathard would need to start for probably two years to get to that point. Um, but I think you start Mullins because if you don't, then Sunday night's game is the worst game of his career. And I'm not sure if he ever bounces back from it. If you reaffirm your confidence in Mullins and say, hey, we took you out. You threw a bad pick six. CJ moved the ball. We just needed we just needed to give the offense a jolt and switch things up. Um, we're going to go back to you this week because you earned the number two job with how well you played. We're not going to let one game completely change our mind on you. Right. Um, and we saw what you did in the Jets game and the Giants game um, and all those games in 2018 when you played well. We're going to stick with you against the Dolphins. Um, and then from there, the leash gets shorter. Um, I think it would be reactionary to to not give Mullins a start this week if um, if Garoppolo wasn't healthy enough to play. And we'll see. I mean, by the time people are listening to this, Jimmy Garoppolo might be practicing and and it might be him. But um, if not, my opinion is that I would I would start with Mullins if I were Kyle Shannon. Yeah, I think that's probably the way to go. If if that was Mullen's first start ever, then then maybe you go another direction. But they've seen him bounce back before, um, right? And he had a couple of bad plays. Um, like he he completed sixty nine percent of his throws still. Like he did a nice job there. Um, he just had three really inopportune turnovers. The pick six was so bad. It was maybe the worst pick six I've ever seen. It was so bad. It was as it was happening. It was like, where's that ball going? And then after the game, he said he saw the linebacker. The ball just didn't come out right. Well, which that's I'm the not, thing. I'm not sure if that's better or worse. I forget Be which receiver was out there. I think it might have been Debo, but he ran kind of a comeback route. 
and the cornerback was all over him. Like the cornerback might have might yes. have taken it yes. for a pick six yes. if the linebacker didn't. So yep. it was yeah, it was egregious. It was really bad. And um, but but also like if the running game works, if the offensive line isn't allowing um 15 pressures and five sacks, and obviously some of that is on Mullins because right. um he is a quarterback and responsible for protections and getting rid of the ball and all that. Um, but you know, like under better better circumstances, Mullins can be a much better quarterback. He's just right. not the quarterback who's going to excel when circumstances are bad. And I think that's a huge differentiating factor between backups and starters. Right? Yep. Okay. Yep. And that's that was that was one of the big things for me. It was like, all right, that like can we stop with the with the questions of of whether Garoppolo should start when he's healthy. I'm very should. glad we never we never stirred the pot on the whole quarterback controversy thing. I'm really proud of us, man. We do a great job. I don't care if anyone else thinks we don't do a great job. We do a great job. I think we <laughs> like when it comes to like the big, the big, like big picture takes, like, should they trade the number two pick for Odell Beckham? Like you and I were on the right side of that because it results in Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, obviously yeah. important. Um, yeah, it's great, like talk radio fodder. But when we're not trying to generate calls and shit, like and stuff, we're we're earmuffs. We and and I say we as in people who discuss this when they're not trying to drum up, you know, calls and tweets and texts and stuff. Like, there's a logical way to look at it, and I think right. there are a lot of people that do. It's just the loudest ones don't. Yes, like you I know. Agree people don't jump into your Twitter mentions to go, man, I agree with you. <laughs> Today's um, society prioritizes. And Twitter is just like real life. So yeah. Today's society prioritizes being polarizing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think we're getting deep. Yeah. I mean, we, but like we could have come out and been like, even if we didn't believe it, which a lot of people do like, so is Nick Mullins better than Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers have won the Super Bowl with Nick Mullins. Like, We've the got numbers to back it no. up. Right. So, yeah, anyway. Good job yeah. by us to recognize that, that Nick Mullins <laughs> is a backup quarterback, which is what Kyle Shanahan's been saying the entire time, while people have tried to drum up the QB controversy thing. Yeah, it's just, it's not like, yeah, that's 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 just it. It's just, sometimes, sometimes coaches and GMs are lying. Sometimes you take what they say at face value. Yeah. And it was one of those times. Um and we also recognize that Brandon Ayuk's a, a good athlete. <laughs> Unlike some people. <laughs> like all those haters who saw that who saw that 40 time at the combine. <laughs> uh that's what we do. We highlight the times we're wrong, we're right, and we forget about all the times we're wrong. Yeah, so. I've been wrong a lot. I mean, we I think you and I both thought the 49ers would win convincingly against the Eagles. I, I sure did. Uh um, turns out the NFL is a week-to-week league. Wild. And sometimes a team that blows out the Giants isn't going to be the exact same team that loses a, a tough one to the Eagles at home. Yep. Yep. How's that That's for it. analysis? Football, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, f- football. Subscribe, rate, review. If you haven't already. <laughs> um. Well, hopefully it's all this analysis stands up since we're recording a, a day later this week. And this will happen from time to time. We really don't want it to happen. But um, like we said, sometimes you just sit down to do a pod and it just does not happen for us. So 
Um, we appreciate you guys bearing with us. And obviously all the support for the pod has always been excellent. And um, I think we mostly get strong reviews. I haven't checked them in a while, but I, I think we're still at the well above the four and a half. You range, know what I think? You know what will get us there? If George Kittle comes on the pod, but he's still ducking. Oh, that's so. true. George Kittle yeah. is still ducking the pod. 15 um, catches, 183 yards, I said yards, George Kittle could, no could be a Hall of Famer tonight. He should definitely come yeah, on Oh, my pod. God. Great point. That's a really good point by you. Yeah. You said a Hall of Fame trajectory. Right. Um, we basically said that by improving his contested catch ability, there's no flaws in his game. Um, except for podcast appearances. It's a major ding for me. Yeah, and he's a guy who likes to go on pods. I don't know if you knew that, but um, that's sort of the frustrating part. But maybe uh, maybe one of these days. Kittle, Kittle will take some time. Fingers crossed. Stop talking. Uh, it is pretty cool, though, that we have Kittle on the... Um, on the intro yeah it's a great point shout out george Kittle. gives us credibility thanks george come on so pod. much cred you know what else gives us never, never mind i'm gonna We're, we gotta go we got things <laughs> to go do uh kansas to chronicles subscribe rate review uh see you and the wait is finally over i have the read football is back you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. While I was stalling there, I talked about uh, baseball, the NFL, the NBA Finals are going on. Just a couple days left there. Uh, whatever you want to bet on, Bet Online has it for you. From game spreads and totals to a team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. And I know you're probably listening to this thinking, hey, the season's been started. Uh, those season opening bonuses are still there for you. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, B L U E W I R E, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.